Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well on this uh, frosty Saturday morning. About to head out to the uh, pumpkin patch here in a little bit with my wife before the game tonight and uh, do some fall stuff we didn't get a chance to do. So it doesn't feel like uh, it's starting to feel like winter, though, Sean. Certain very close. Yeah, when I when I walked out of Rupp Arena last night, I was like, you know, it, it's getting to that point to where I dread those cold walks, those cold, those cold walks oh, yeah. from the car into Rupp Arena because I can just uh, already say, man, you uh, you remember the old media entrance, that wind tunnel that yeah. was down there? Oh man, it was, it was like dreading walking out of that thing. I'd always have to show that guy my credential to even walk down there, and it, like every week he'd be like, you got to. How you can't go down there, and then I have to show him my credential. <laughs> it's like he never would remember my face. But uh, yeah, much easier to get in the building now. Uh, it was good to be in there last night. Kentucky got another win to close the exhibition schedule. It looked a little eh there for a bit, Derek. I mean, when a team comes in and they knock down what their first six threes and then hit 11 first half threes, it's, it's hard to get a lead <laughs> at halftime when a team's knocking down 11 threes on you. That was uh, one of the more – I don't know if I want to say stunning. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty jarring when Kentucky's losing an exhibition game. I know the last few years haven't been that great. They lost to Evansville two years ago. They lost, uh, you know, a lot of games last season. Lost to Richmond, who, you know, a lot of people thought was going to end up being a pretty good team. I don't, I don't think Richmond turned out to be quite as good as people thought they were going to. Um but this, that's a whole different level, though. From This is a Division II school uh, up here for an exhibition, and they came in ready to play. Uh, like you said, hit the first five threes. I mean, they finished the game shooting almost 50%, Sean. Uh, they did shoot 50% from 30, 15 to 30. But, of course, you look at those second-half numbers, just four for 15 for Miles College. So, uh, you know, they didn't really get to the free throw line either, and when they did, they did not make their shots. They went two for seven. Uh, UK, though, just 50% as well from the free throw line. Didn't get there a ton either. Um, not a very inspiring performance by any means, but it was an exhibition. Um, but I mean, what what do you, what do you? I guess what do you make of? It's early, no doubt about it. I think we can all realize they need to be kind of patient with you know a new team, but you know. You, Miles College leads for 22 minutes of this game. You know, he led for over half the game. I told someone last night, and, and maybe we need to go back and look in recent years, but it to me it always feels like the game before champions, they don't play well. Whether it's an exhibition or a regular season game. Remember the year Buffalo came in there and they struggled their way that the team that started 38-0? and uh, look like they were going to lose to Buffalo. I, I remember them struggling their way through the game before the Champions Classic multiple times. But last night it was just, you know, last week it was interior defense, defensive issues. It was issues with uh, pick and roll and things like that, things that are, are normal. But then this week they get lit up from the three-point line. And it's those things that John Calperi was talking about last night on fade screens, not understanding how to uh, – how to, how to switch or how to hedge on, on screens or how to, to, to do some of those things that they you know that they talk about leading up to – I mean, they knew, they knew that, that Miles was a solid D2 team. That's a, that's a Division II team that's going to be one of the best in the country. 
but you got to understand the game plan. And they just, it took them forever. It took them a full half to make adjustments. And I think that was the most concerning thing about it on a roster and on a team that has so many experienced guys that they couldn't adjust mid first half. They had to adjust at the half. You can't do that Tuesday night. You do that Tuesday night, you're getting buried because the talent level is just so significantly different. Yeah, Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader was getting some predictions for the game for Duke and Kentucky. And I uh, I told him, I picked Duke 76-72, but about halftime last night, I was like, man, you might want to revise that to 86-52. to Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to be that lopsided. But it was a few years ago. Whole uh, different rosters, though. Different teams, different different setting um I, I think for sure and again you know I, I wrote some takeaways last night and it it's it's so early so early that I don't want to come up with any firm conclusions you're going to see players get better you're going to see guys early, early in the year really struggle like I thought Damian Collins last night it didn't didn't do well but it's a second college game uh, not even a real game technically, so I'm going to count towards his stats. Uh, he wasn't the only one. I don't want to just pinpoint him. I mean, after Keon looked really good the first scrimmage, he comes out this one and, and doesn't doesn't play very well. He basically split minutes with Jacob Toppin last night. But I don't think it is too early to form the opinion that that four spot is is going to be interesting because if Keon – and then let me let me get your opinion on this, Sean. Uh, Cal said something last night that I found interesting. He said he didn't know if he was going to start topping, which what that said to me, and maybe I'm reading this the wrong way, it seemed to me like he's going to give Brooks a chance every single game to show that he can score, defend, do whatever. But if he doesn't, if he comes out, doesn't have the energy, last night he turned the ball over to start the game. I remember that, like dribbled it off his leg or foot. That tells me he has no problem going very quickly to Jacob Toppin. Well, and, and that told me, too, him saying, I don't know if I'm going to start him, tells me he's thinking about starting him. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's that's how I read that when he said it. And then, too, just I've been a big fan of Toppin. I've been a fan of Toppin since last season. You have me on the record somewhere dated back in the summer that he was going to, like, turn into a stud this season. So I don't remember if you yeah. remember writing that down or not. You put it in your notes on your Mac. So I think that – I just think Toppin's just a difference maker with his athleticism, his ability to defend, his energy. His, the, I just think that that's going to go a long way with this team. You saw what Xavier Wheeler's energy did last night. Xavier Wheeler energy alone changed the game for Kentucky. I don't know if Kentucky survives that game without him last night. Without him yeah. being that that spark plug and that energy starter, I think Toppin can be that same guy for Kentucky. Not doing the exact same things, but in a different way with his length and his athleticism. And, that, and that's what you need. You need those spark plugs. You need those guys that can get you going. And it, it was disappointing to see Keon have the game that he had, given that he's in year three at Kentucky. If you go back to the first game, does it look different if he doesn't knock down those threes? I mean, is it is are we talking about – what are we saying about Keon Brooks? Uh, I know for a half of the blue-white game, people were looking, you know, where's Keon? And then he showed up in the second half. That can't happen for this team. They need consistent Keon Brooks across the board. Yeah, Cal said a few more things last night, if I interpreted it the right way. Um, did you – he said those guards are going to play 30 minutes. I assumed he meant severe in Washington. 
Yeah. And they did last night. They played Washington played 32. Wheeler played 31. So the minute splits last night were interesting. Among the starting five, like I just mentioned, Wheeler and Washington both played over 30 minutes. Keon played 18. Kellen Grady played 22. Sheboy played 23. You go to the bench, it was very – outside of Toppin, it was very even in terms of the minute distribution. Toppin played the most off the bench at 16 minutes. Played a very good game. 12 points, 5 of 7 shooting, 4 in rebounds. His first game back. Yep, first played game the back. The most minutes off the bench in his first game back. So then you look at the other guys. Collins – he doesn't score. He gets three rebounds, turned it over twice. He played 12 minutes, as did his fellow freshman, uh, Bryce Hopkins, who four points, two of six, shooting three rebounds, one assist. Then he had three guys all play 11 minutes. And there's one that's very surprising to me. Uh, Lentzware played 11 minutes. Dante Allen played 11 minutes. Hit three threes, did some good things. I thought, it was a good, I thought that was a good game for Dante last night. But the one that surprised me, Sean, only 11 minutes for Mintz. That's probably a product there of, of Wheeler and Washington playing so much, and then Cal maybe – I don't – like I said, I don't want to get into all these reactions and stuff off exhibition games. I think if you're Dante Allen, you possibly see uh, an opportunity there. Do you if, – if, if he can get those minutes where Grady is playing, if Grady's going to be coming out of the game, then – I, unless he wants to go Mintz and play, you know, Wheeler, Washington, Mintz together, which is a possibility. But if Dante's playing well enough, I could see him playing that role, getting set up with looks from Wheeler. Um, the, the, from encouraging, the encouraging thing about Dante last night was the rebound there in the second half that he just came out of nowhere and snatched it. Like, I thought that was so encouraging to see from him. You know, Cal praised that after the game. And some of the other things that he did, and he 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 knocked down shots. Like that's the thing that Dante's going to add to it. But Mint's not playing very many minutes last night. I looked up at halftime; he'd played five minutes, and you know I I hadn't even realized. I was like, man, he wasn't even out there at all until I started going through some photos and stuff that was being sent to me. I was like, man, he wasn't on the floor at, at hardly at all the first half. Uh, do you think that that plays into a little bit too that Cal knows what he has in him? And he's trying to find out what he has in everyone else. Like, I mean, he just, he praised, I mean, he praised Mintz a lot. Like, you know what Mintz is going to give you. But do you think that that plays into it at all? That he's just still trying to figure out exactly what he has, who he has. I mean, it's, it's the right call. You want to ride Savir Wheeler and Tata Washington a ton. I just think that it, it's clear. It's evident. Savir Wheeler may end up being their best player from all the things that he can do to affect the basketball game. I think he could definitely be their most important player. I think Todd Todd's going to be their best player. Um, hey, but if Wheeler's going to throw in some threes like he did last night, I mean, he, well, I want to say the guy played a perfect game. I mean, he had four turnovers still, but like that was a, if he does that every night, they're going to be, they're going to be all right. Well, and, and the thing that you can live with, and I'm okay with the four or five turnovers now, if he's doing what he did last night, dude, he was so disruptive. That they he the, the head coach after the game literally said that they had to take their point guard and put him not bringing the ball to the floor because they couldn't even get into their offense. Like that's that's something that you have to prepare for every single night that you play Kentucky is that he's going to be in you 75 feet from the basket, making and working just to, for you to even get the ball and get your offense set up. That's going to kill so much clock. That's going to help Kentucky grind out possessions defensively because these these teams are going to have be so late getting into their sets. That's just a game changer. When you have someone that can do those things 
I loved his energy in an exhibition game against Miles College. The dude is laying on the floor yeah. screaming. And that's that's the stuff that was missing last year. They didn't have those guys that were play starters. He's a play starter on both ends of the floor, whether the ball's in his hands or not. And I've been a big yeah, fan of him point. for a long time, Derek. I, I, ever since I watched his tape, I thought this kid can literally change everything for this team. He, uh, yeah, he was he was good, and they needed that light uh, representing the crowd to kind of come through for him a little bit <laughs> there in the second half. It's been it's been oddly light too, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna go. It's gonna pick up in a couple of weeks. It so. will. I mean, trust me. If I like just being totally blonde, if I didn't have to cover that, I would not go to an exhibition game. Like yeah. I just, I, w- I probably wouldn't go to any of these games outside of the after the Duke game, the ones coming up. I mean, unless you got season tickets, you already paid for them up front. So I'm, I'm not like bashing fans at all for not going. To, unless you uh, live super close or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame people at all for not going to that. But I, I, on on the same hand, though, I do agree. Like I. I do think typically, even for exhibitions, the crowd used to be a little bit more than what we've seen. Um, and I don't know what the reason is for that. Uh, I'm not Like I said, I'm not judging anybody for – I mean, for crying out loud, it's an exhibition. Most places would be happy to have anybody show up. So, a um, couple other notes, Sean. Uh, Cal said yesterday that uh, this minor procedure that C.J. Frederick had done four months ago, he will finally get back onto the court tomorrow. We uh, – Minor – Minor are we believing that and how many times have we heard though that he's close so my interpretation at media day was that he had like actually already practiced that's i must have I, just interpreted that wrong no that's how i took it too i think that's how everyone yeah. took that because don't you remember didn't he say he tried to give it a go and then he saw that he wasn't ready and he shut him down yeah. or something along those lines but minor procedure in four months just to me those don't add up like minor procedure in four months of not even getting on the floor for practice. So let's just say that that four months turns into five months. He's If he's not practiced yet, there's no way he plays Tuesday night. If he's not practiced yet, I don't see him playing next Friday. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I think that depending on how it goes, I think we could still be a bit away. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yeah, they um, between Cal and Stoops right now, you're not getting a whole lot on the injury front. Uh, but you know the difference, I guess. Cal is bringing. I mean, he brought that up unprompted last night he that did. CJ was going to be out there tomorrow. But you know, he didn't have any problem putting. Which also, Toppin has not been out nearly as long as uh, 
Frederick has, and I don't I don't think Toppin even had surgery or out. I think it was just a, a thing that was bothering him. So different situations for sure. Uh, but he had no problem putting Toppin in there. Whereas with CJ, I mean, I think the the number of guys at CJ, I mean, he's going to get a chance. I have no doubt about it. Cal will give everybody a chance on this team. But in order to actually sustain that and play a lot of minutes, he's got a long road, especially after missing as much time as he has. I mean, he does. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he will come back and be and be ready to go. But part of me also, I think he. Well, he's at the extra COVID year too. That that that's probably more like. A, I was gonna say you would kind of hope he would have a red shirt year available. He's already red shirted, but with the COVID year, if he wants to stay in college longer, I guess that's technically like another. You could categorize that as like another red shirt. I just I just don't see him being able to provide that much this season. And maybe I'll change my mind on that once he actually gets out there. But I just think he's gonna be so far behind these other guys that. I mean, he's got to clearly, clearly, clearly be better than Dante, in my opinion. And even then, you're still not looking at very many minutes, very many minutes per game because there's so there's what four other guys already in front of him. Yeah. One thing worries me in close games about this team, though. You know what it is? Uh, I could probably pick a couple things. They're they're 15 of 27 from the free throw line. I was going to say seven of 14 from the line last night. Yeah. And then so you, last I mean, week. I don't know if you can have Shoeboy out there at the end. No, and then he was three of four in the in the first exhibition game. Like I mean, but overall, Kentucky was eight of thirteen, and then last night seven of fourteen. You said he was three of four, so he's five of nine this year. Yeah, from the line. And then, but Wheeler's not a great shooter either. It doesn't seem like from the line. I think uh, our buddy Ryan sent me all those free throw percentages back in the summer. He sent it on July fourth. He actually reminded me about it last night. Because he said, look at the free throw shooting tonight, and it's right there, spot on. Wheeler uh, was a 74% free throw shooter last year. But when you go throughout this list, C.J. Frederick was 68%. Davion Mintz was 66%. Dante Allen was 64%, and Kellen Grady was 68 Like, what? When you look at those, those are mind-blowing, considering how good those guys are shooting the basketball. Yeah. Yeah, I know last year it was, I know, uh, Mintz had talked about, or not Mintz, sorry, Grady had talked about it being an odd year for him, shooting the ball. It seemed like he was uh, expected far more from himself there. And then from the three-point line, though, you can't ask for much more, can you? They've hit, uh, I think, is it 22 threes through two exhibition games? 11 the first one, 11 last night, 11 to 19 last night. I think they were 11. 29. 11 to 21. Yep. So, this team is going to knock down threes. That's for sure. Uh, they've it got plenty of shot makers. The efficiency was really good. Uh, among the guys who actually made threes, Wheeler was 50%, 2 of 4. Washington hit all three. Grady hit all three of his. And then Dante hit three out of five. They had a couple other guys. Uh, Brooks took two, missed both. Toppin took one. Uh, he, he missed it, obviously. And then Collins took one. And Grady had another one that his foot was on the line, right? So he was almost yeah. four of four from three. Uh, he just hit his toe back a little bit more. It was a good game from Grady. I mean, he didn't force anything, kind of took what was there, hit his open shots. Really the same way with Dante. I mean, Dante's catch and shoot is probably the best on this team, just getting lined up, catching up. Quick, too. Yeah, quick. I mean, I, I just think, again, Sean, I see his season going much like last year. I do, too. I, I think he's out some nights where he doesn't really play at all, and I think he's going to have nights where he might he might score 20. I mean, he just – um, and, and he's a guy that right now needs to kind of emerge 
and take some of those minutes where C.J. Frederick's not been available to take them. Yeah. And find an impact. And I don't, and I don't think it's going to be just shooting the basketball. It's taking care of the basketball. It's defending. It's rebounding. He needs to have all hands on deck right now, and he maybe could possibly earn some minutes if he does it. If like, let's say that let's say that they have to go to him Tuesday night in Madison Square Garden, and he comes up and he makes some big plays, and it pleases Cal. He might just earn himself a, a permanent spot in the rotation if he does it. Like that's what Tuesday night is. It's Tuesday night's going to identify a lot of things: who who is ready and who's not ready. Because when those lights come on Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden, Derek, no one can hide. If you get on that floor, you got to perform. And we know that that moment has been – it hasn't been too big for a lot of Kentucky guys. We've seen some of the best. We've seen Malik Monk go off in that building. We've seen Tyrese Maxey go off in that building. I could see Ty Ty Washington being built to do the same thing. Like, there's going to be yeah. some guys that are going to do that. But you're also going to have some guys that are going to disappear on you that you maybe thought was going to play a lot of minutes. And and we'll see exactly what happens. That's where I think a guy like Davion Mintz just comes into play. And that's something that Kentucky has that a lot of teams don't have. I think they got a guy that's going to play a lot of different roles. He's going to play one game. He might play 24, 25 minutes. Next game, he might play 14. But that guy's going to be a plug-and-play as you need at different spots. And he's consistent. I think you're going to, you know what you're going to get from him. I think that's what led to his minutes being what they were last night is I think Callum knows what he gets from him and I think he needs to know what he's getting from the others and he's a guy I mean if you're just trying to dig in maybe find an edge this game I mean Mensa's played a lot in the Big East at Madison Square Garden I mean for some guys playing here for the first time or you know maybe you know, playing against a team like Duke it's going to be brought lots I think a guy who's been in college so long like you're saying you just kind of need that steadying hand on Saturday night I mean or uh on Tuesday night, I think he'll um, he can definitely provide that. Um, yeah, there's some other takes that I think I could have, but again, I don't want to. It's no. just still, still so early. Guys are going to be so much better, you would think, as they develop over the next few months. I mean, the way we talked about this team in February is going to be different than November. I mean, you you can't you can't almost give up a fifty piece to to Miles College. You know, no. I mean, they did much better in the second half, but that that. They'll they'll get better defensively. Cal's teams almost always do. Yeah, and and I'm not and I'm not worried about it yet. I mean, obviously, I want to see how Tuesday night plays out, and then and, and we'll see. I mean, it's so. It's, how do you feel about that game? I just gave my score prediction earlier. I, I'm not really expecting a UK win, and that was before the Miles College uh, performance. I'm not sure. I've I've not really sat down and really thought about score predictions and and everything. I I think it's going to be a tight one. I do. Uh, I think Kentucky will have its opportunities to win that game. The one thing that I think is going to travel for UK is I think they're going to shoot the ball well. Yeah. And and I think that that's going to give them a chance alone to win the basketball game is they're going to shoot the basketball so well. I'm, I'm concerned about the interior defensively, but I think Kentucky could negate it if they get to double-digit threes, made threes. They, they This is a game where Kentucky needs to make 11, 12, 13 threes, I think. Yeah, I, I just look at – the interior, and I think they're foul trouble from Oscar Sheboy away from this being a, a very difficult game to win. And he's going to get in foul trouble almost every night, I think. I really <laughs> – I just think that that's going to be – you're almost you – know, He had a foul I, last night on a moving screen. Like, you got to avoid those. I mean – And and I don't – and I was trying to figure out if that was his fault or if that was the ball handler's fault. I I don't know. Like, I needed – and I haven't had a chance to go back and look at, look at it. You were on the other end, weren't you, on the end that it happened? Yeah. Did, did, was it his fault? 
Or did, uh, the, or did the guard uh, go too soon? I couldn't say. I, I don't know okay. whose fault it was. I'll have to go back and and watch that. But that that's that was actually my point. I was about to bring up. I hold my. I try to watch who me. who Cal yells at. <laughs> I hold my breath every time he runs into a ball screen because we know how college basketball officiating is. Yeah. If you stick anything out there, you're getting hit with one. And these guards, too, like Savir, Ty-Ty. Ty-Ty has a really good pace off ball screens, but you can't get too quick because, Oscar, you cannot pick up a cheap foul like that. And then, too, you know, defending. Like, is he going to – and as aggressive as he is on the glass. They need him on the glass. But I'm I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you – I think you're going to see at some point, and I don't know if it'll be Tuesday. Maybe that might be the night because I think Cal wants to beat Duke. I mean, I've, after three oh, yeah. years ago, I think he really wants to beat Duke. I could see a situation where Jacob Toppin plays the five. Yeah. I really could. Like, I, I just think that if, if Damian Collins isn't doing it and Lance isn't doing it, I could see Cal playing Toppin at the five and just going all energy. That but reminds I don't know. me. That you, you say that you think Cal really wants to win it. You know he does because he's made up this thing that people are saying that it's the biggest game in a decade, and I don't think anyone has said that, but that's what Cal I saw said. you. I got your Twitter notification last night where I got your alert that you said it, and then, like, instantly after you tweeted it, I get a text from you, and he's like, you're like, where is he getting this? <laughs> well, I did it. I mean, I kind of, like, let it go in the press conference, but he came out and said the same exact thing to uh, on his radio show. And I was just like, I, I don't think people are saying this, Cal. Like, I don't think anyone is – like, I think the last two times these teams have played, they were both in the top five to start the season. And now this year, like, it's – Zion Both teams are coming off field. bad years. Yeah, yeah, like, there's no phenoms on either side. Like, the big storyline, and if you're going to, like, give any kind of credence to that hyperbole, it is that it's the start to Coach K's last season. Yeah. So, it's I mean, in that way, Square yeah. Garden. First time yeah. they've ever played at Madison Square Garden. I mean that that makes it big. First, the first time these two teams have ever played in the Garden. I think that's just a motivational tactic from Cal, though, to, <laughs> to get his guys to hear that. And you know, Cal's already in midseason form with yeah. the with the post game radio show and everything. You could tell walking off the podium last night. He's like, "Do I do I have to go do that?" You know, like, like he's wanting to send Bruiser or, or someone out there to take care of it. We've not even started the regular season yet. Or when he sits down and goes, "Yes, yeah. like, yes," like. Like we're gonna hear that probably thirty times this year from him. Win, lose, doesn't matter. Uh, but they won two games in the exhibition schedule, Derek. They're uh, they're almost the last year's win total. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, they're uh, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. I, I do think that they're going to be fine. I think they're going to win plenty of basketball games. I love the guard play. Concerned about the interior. My biggest thing is, is we cannot be sitting here in December and looking up and saying, man, they sure could have used Kofi Coburn. That's the one thing that I don't want to be saying. Yeah, I thought about that some last night, but, uh, you know, they're going to have to make do. I, I, I did wonder that on my drive home last night. I was like, I wonder if I got too caught up in the four-out thing that totally kind of neglected what one more. And it didn't even necessarily have to be Kofi, honestly. Like, you're going to think I'm crazy. I thought of someone like Isaac Humphreys. I was like, just just like another body. And the, like, a big they, body. Outside of Oscar, like, they don't have a big body at all. No. And they didn't have to be in a world beater. I mean, Humphreys is far from that. But he could get in there and, and, and at least bang around a little bit. Like, you even bringing up the topic of topping at the five, which I've floated before. Like, that feels like it might end up being a real thing yeah. for this team this season. And not because it needs to be, because it has to be. Yeah. 
and they just just another body just another big body would have just something to negate the size and the, and the difference in the, in the, in the paint. I, I'm interested to see what John Calipari does. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see him use some double teams. They're going to run some doubles at Palo and, and, and some guys on Tuesday night. They're going to have to, because I just, I just don't think they can be one-on-one and on an Island. And like, no matter how hard we try, this is going to come off as mean probably. I think Lance Ware gets thrown in the physical category because he, like, what else is he good at? He doesn't have much of an offensive game right now. He plays hard. Like, that's his that's his yeah. key thing is he plays hard. And last year, I think he was bigger. Like, he's lost weight. Yeah, he's not very big. So, he's not. Like, he's not big. He's, I mean, like, when I think of, like, a physical presence, I think of Oscar, you know, Bam Adebayo, guys like that. Like, Lance is not that. Lance is skinny. Like, he's, he looks skinny to me out on the court. And, uh, you know, that was the route he chose to go this offseason. He, he slimmed down instead of bulking up, which is, I mean, it's, I guess that's what UK wanted from him but you know he's not crazy athletic he's not an athletic guy like Toppin and he's not a bruiser like Oscar like I don't really know what he is right now but I know what he was last year and he, he did okay at times when they asked that from him but that's definitely an area of this team. I said the four earlier what I really mean is the front court in general because yeah. the back court's not take care of itself but I do see it's like personnel issues well in the front this, court. This can't be this can't be a team that and they're going to be able to outshoot a lot of teams. They're going to to hit a lot of threes, but you just can't live and die by it. Like you're you know you're going to have that night where they're not hitting shots, where they're right. going to need a, a a post presence, some paint touches. They they need that. And I just don't know outside of Oscar, I don't know if they're going to get that. And and then offensively, I don't know how much Oscar is going to add to it on the block. Like, I still think that Oscar's energy is going to be a lot of just bully ball and just getting offensive rebounds and things like that. Uh, th- that's where a guy like Toppin can really, really help this team. And, and you you texted me a week ago before Toppin even played, and you said, Toppin, there's a big role available for Toppin on this team. And I think last night we saw it much much quicker than what we thought we were going to see it. I mean, Cal was talking like he didn't know if he was even going to play him last night. Yeah. Off his injury, and he, he needs had to. to, I think. <laughs> yeah. He absolutely did, but we just wanted to hop on and cover some takeaways from uh, Kentucky and Miles College. We've got Kentucky and Tennessee football tonight. This is Saturday morning. We're recording this, and then uh, as soon as that thing's over, Derek, all the attention shifts to Madison Square Garden Tuesday night for Kentucky and Duke. We'll have a lot of questions answered by that game. I'm sure we'll be ready for a post-Duke mailbag and everything. So uh, big week coming up for sure. As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub. Three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.